Hello, and welcome to another edition of Between the Rows, the podcast of Glacier Farm Media. I'm your host this week, Gord Gilmore. Part of being a farmer is being an accountant, and a mechanic, and a chemist. You have lots on the go. So FarmLink makes your grain marketing go further. We help you reach your financial goals with calculated sales decisions. No bias, just solutions and results. Plus, with our new app, GrainFox, we bring every opportunity right to your fingertips. Literally. Start seeing the returns that'll get your family ahead. You've earned it. FarmLink. Your work is worth more. Get started at farmlinksolutions.ca. On this edition, we'll be delving into why this is a weather market like no other. It's going to be a bumpy ride and there's a lot of money in the market and it's just flowing in and out based off of uh, weather forecasts for the most part. And looking into the world of agriculture protection laws from the positive perspective. These pieces of legislation will help them ensure that their animals are kept safe. And also looking at why they might not be a legal slam dunk. Basically they're saying the, the bill infringes on their investigative reporting of animal welfare issues. But first, something very special. June is here and it's time to shear. Yep, sheep shearing season is upon us. Photojournalist Bill Hossack ventured out to a farm just northwest of Cartwright, Manitoba, where he met Wayne and Marie McDonald in the midst of shearing 1,100 sheep. Lending a hand is professional shearer Cliff Metherall. He's been practicing this traditional skill for 50 years. Here's Phil's story from the McDonald farm. Yep, my name is Wayne McDonald and uh, farm with my wife Maria and our two kids, Emma and Ethan. Um, today we're in Cartwright, Manitoba, and today we are shearing sheep. We'll be shearing sheep for the next four days or so, and we'll be doing about 1,100 head, a little bit more than that. Um, we do this every year, and we run a mixed farm. Um, quite a few sheep, some cows, some pigs, uh, all grass-based, and then we have a direct meat sale business uh, on top of that. Tell me your name, Ethan. Ethan? How old are you? Well? Five. <laughs> five? Yeah. ones. Okay, and who's this? Emma. Emma? How old are you, Emma? Eight. Eight. Okay, and who's this? I'm Marie. Marie. How old are you, Marie? I'm 37. So tell me a little bit about your farm. It's like the, the concept of a family our farm fa- is really neat red. because as opposed to, I mean, all mm. farms are family <laughs> farms, or most of them, but but the con- this concept with the grass-fed beef, the grass-fed lambs and sheep. And yeah, well, we try to do things as regeneratively as possibly, yeah. you know, so that, um, like we do all the stuff that Glenn Nickel yeah. used to push and so we do all that stuff with strip rotational grazing and we... Partially, it's because we think the animals are happier and healthier, and partially, it's because we're preserving the ground, and 
the, yeah. like the soil. So tell me about the, the, the lambing or the sheep operation. How long, um, you, how long have you been doing that? Oh, Wayne's been doing it, I think, since 2002. Um, my family got into it when I was 16 or 17, so, and that was, I believe, in 1998 or 1999. And from what I'm hearing here, you were a shearer for a while, too. Yeah, that's how I, when I was 17, I started shearing. Um, traveled with Cliff Sheared for 10 years. Oh, most, Manitoba, Saskatchewan mostly, a little bit into Alberta. And I'm Cliff, Clifford Metherill. Yeah, and I'm from Nokomis, Saskatchewan. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. So. And you, you contract with the local producers and make your way around this time of year? I've had a regular clientele now for a lot of, as many years. How many uh, ranches or farms? Gosh, that's hard to say. It's. Uh, How many this year? I'm not sure. I'm trying <laughs> to cut back. Last year was the first year I got on under 10,000 head in a long time, but I'm trying to cut back. Uh, I usually, up until about three or four years ago, I did about 20,000 every year. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm getting too old. I noticed you got the harness on to help save the well, back. Well, when I you get old, you need a crutch, don't like you? I, like I said, yeah. I'm getting a sore, a sore back just watching you. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't get a sore back. I just been doing it so long I'm so used to it eh? so, yeah but I I don't know that just I just got used to it and I like using it so so you said you were cutting back to about 10,000 or less than 10,000 last year I got less just 9,900 and something that was the least I've done in a long time you used to do 20 you said used to like four or five years ago I would do 20 year 20,000 a year for about 20 20 to 30 years wow okay. and what, uh, are you, what are you working on here I'm trying to fine-tune this handpiece so that it cuts better it's not cutting good so I'm just trying to figure out why. Well, there it did it. Okay. Are you uh, are you planning to get out of the business altogether, or just take it a little easier? Slowly out of it. Slowly out. Of it. I just wanna. I'm getting to the point where I'm tired of shearing for people that want to have sheep the size of cows. <laughs> so them are getting cut out. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm uh, just sticking with some of my bigger customers that's where I can sit for two or three days. Yep. And, uh, you know, customers that look after me good as well, yeah. which, which I have a lot of. Some of them I don't want to get rid of, but yeah. it's time. Yeah. And there's lots of young people like Stacy that are getting into the business, so it's going to make it a lot easier for me to gradually cut out. So I was surprised to hear that you don't travel together. You just you just happen to meet up at this farm, and she'll go someplace is, else next. Yes, this is the only place that I've ever shared with her. Mm -hmm. Up until last year, I never knew her. 
as Stacy Rosevold. I'm from Garland, Manitoba. It's about 45 minutes north of Dauphin. I share about 7,000 sheep and a couple hundred alpacas and llamas every year. How long have you been doing this? This would be my seventh year. Probably sure. this job, but it works. And uh, this, do you uh, live on a farm? Do you have your own herd or flock? Or? Yes, I have a couple quarters of land and I have about 180 ewes at the moment. Mm -hmm. A few cows. I also raise and train working border collies and horses. Is this your first time at the McDonald farm? This is my second year second there. Year. And have you been, always been working with this? Uh, with the, uh, this Clifford? Cliff, yeah. this is my second time yeah. here. With, oh, so you don't go from here to the next no. place together? Okay. No, we just meet up here last year, we met up here this year, and probably won't see him again until next year. Well, I grew up on a farm in southern Ontario. We we had sheep, and then when I left there, my older brother, who sheared, well, I have two brothers, we all shear. My older brother hasn't sheared for several years, but uh, my younger brother shears all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I left there 50 years ago, my older brother had a thousand ewes then, and up until about seven or eight years ago, him and his boys had a thousand ewes and and a meat uh, slaughter plant as well and then they uh, shut the slaughter plant down and the two boys have each got 200 sheep I think now is all. Has the uh, current COVID crisis affected this business at all for you? Well it's got me running scared yeah because I have a heart condition and uh, I don't want it to catch me. But no, it has been. Uh, my customers have been really good, though. I had one customer said their grandson had a fever. What did I think? And I said, I'm going home. She said, okay. So we rearranged, and the kid got tested, and a week later it was negative. So I went back and did the job. You can also find Phil's shearing photos online at www.manitobacooperatorwithoutahyphen.ca. You're listening to Between the Rows, the podcast of Glacier Farm Media, and I'm your host this week, Gord Gilmore. Up a bit later in the show, we'll be talking to Markets Farm's Phil Franz Workington about this big weather market. But first, a couple of pieces about the pros and cons of agriculture protection legislation, or ag-gag laws, as opponents characterize them. In Manitoba, the sector is celebrating a win on this front. The province has passed a pair of bills that will make it illegal for people to enter biosecurity areas, like barns or processing facilities, or interfere with animals in transport. They'll also more clearly define when a person can be charged with trespassing, remove the landowner's requirement to confront trespassers, and decrease their legal liability if someone gets hurt while trespassing on their land. Among the more vocal supporters has been the Manitoba Port Council. We're joined now by Cam Dahl, their general manager. Cam, thanks for joining us today. 
It's a real pleasure to be with you, Court. So now you've heartily endorsed the trespassing and biosecurity legislation that Manitoba has just passed. Why is this so important to farmers? You know, I, I think COVID-19 has has shown Canadians how important biosecurity is. Uh, we've we've spent the last oh year and a almost year and a half now um, practicing uh, human biosecurity, and it's just as important for for Canadian livestock producers. Uh, there are are significant disease threats, whether that's uh, PED or African swine fever or foot and mouth disease, that would be absolutely devastating to our in- industry and. You know, producers are, are taking the measures that they need to uh, to prevent these de- diseases from coming in. I, I think it might shock a few few of your listeners to know that uh, many, many workers uh, in, in swine operations actually shower before they go into the barn uh, rather than when they come out. Um, and, and so producers take biosecurity seriously and, and these pieces of legislation will help them ensure that their animals are kept safe. Now, uh, the critics, of course, have uh, uh, been less happy about this. Uh, They've uh, uh, dubbed them egg-gag laws. Uh, They've been pretty controversial. How would you respond to that? You know, everybody has the right to to speak out, Um, and everybody has a a right to to voice their concerns and and their views. And, you know, I I don't want to to diminish that for, for, for anyone. Um, but that needs to be done in a way that doesn't put uh, livestock and farm families and the people that work in their operations at risk. And that really is what this legislation does. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't prevent protest. It doesn't prevent concerns from being heard. Uh, but what it does do is, is help ensure that, that when that does happen, that it's done in a way that that protects animals, um, protects the farm families that are raising them, and protects the people that are working on the farm. One of the places we've seen a similar law proposed is in Ontario, and they're actually facing a constitutional challenge over it, uh, as is my understanding. Uh, Do you think we'll see something similar here? Do you think the Manitoba government has uh, found some middle ground where it's a bit more defensible? What's your take on it? I I hope we don't, um, because as you say, I, I think that these... Uh, these two pieces of legislation do really do really walk that middle balance of of uh, of protecting uh, protecting farms and and the people that work on them, uh, and allowing others to to voice their concerns. So yes, I think that middle ground has been found. Um, so I I hope I hope these these pieces of legislation aren't uh, challenged. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, um, so I'm you know I'm not going to comment on on the constitutionality, but I, I do know that uh, the, uh, the people that drafted this bill in, in justice have, have taken that into account. Uh, and because of that, I'm, I'm confident that uh, these, uh, these bills will stand. Now, one of the criticisms that has been leveled against it, though, is that it will uh, hamper oversight and accountability, uh, especially in livestock operations. Uh, there is a long history of, of uh, uh, people uh, kind of coming to work in whistleblowing. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, is it going to limit that uh, sort of oversight? Should it limit that sort of oversight? Well, I, I don't think it does limit oversight. And that, um, you know, oversight, whether it comes to animal welfare or the environment, uh, 
hog production in Manitoba is, is really one of the, uh, we have some of the strongest uh, regulations um, regulations in North America when it comes to things like the environment. I'll touch on animal welfare a little bit and, and outline the uh, the measures that uh, that hog producers uh, need to take. And um, of course, there's the, the provincial legislation. Um, uh, then there's also the, the code of practice that's been developed by, by the industry as well as outside um, outside interests, as well as, as scientists. There's a science-based code um, that has, uh, you know, I, I think 140 some recommendations on uh, or requirements for uh, for hog producers to follow to, to care for their animals. Uh, it's regularly updated. Uh, and what's more, the uh, the quality assurance and, and animal welfare programs that are in place by the industry uh, require these codes to be followed. Um, they require the operation to have a relationship with their vet. Um, they come with audits. Um, they come with uh, at least annual veterinary visits to, to the, the operation. And if, if producers aren't enrolled in complying with these programs, uh, they can't deliver to federally inspected plants. Uh, so there's there's a lot of oversight in place, um, and and so no, I I don't think that that these uh, these two bills will will reduce that oversight. Um, the the combination of of industry codes, industry best management practices, uh, government regulation, and government oversight um, is is really rigorous, and uh, I'm I'm confident that. Uh, that is going to continue to deliver on both our requirements for, for animal care as well as the environment. Well, thank you for taking the time to run us through this, Cam. It's a, it's a pleasure. Anytime, Gordon. That was Manitoba Port Council General Manager Cam Dahl. You're listening to Between the Rows. I'm your host this week, Gord Gilmore. While the agriculture sector might like these laws, animal rights activists are vocally opposing them. Farmterio reporter Diana Martin recently filed an article outlining a looming constitutional challenge around Ontario's iteration, Bill 156. Diana, thanks for being here today. Hi, Gord. It's a pleasure to be here. What, broadly speaking, are the new powers under Ontario's Bill 156? Well, um, they are broad. That is certainly true. So it's basically deterring activist disruptions um, of farm and food processors and closing the gap in current laws to protect the agricultural sector against trespassing. So what does that look like? Um, For example, let's talk about livestock going from the farm to a processing plant. Um, In Ontario, we had some serious issues of protesters interfering with the vehicles in a way that was dangerous to the drivers, the animals, as well as the activists. They are no longer allowed to approach or interfere with the vehicle itself or the animals within the vehicle. For example, um, shoving water bottles into, uh, I don't know, splash, potentially try and feed the animals water. Um, That's no longer allowed. They're no longer allowed to interfere with animal protection zones. So an animal protection zone could be, obviously, a barn with livestock in it, but it also extends to a pasture where livestock either is or would potentially be throughout whatever season it happens to to fall in. 
So it does have some broad ranges of where um, activists and their their demonstrations or their their investigative processes would would be impacted. I see opponents of the bill are challenging its constitutionality. On what grounds? Well, they I believe they're they're basically challenging about six specific sections of the bill. And most of them, they claim, um, infringe upon the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms that address freedom of expression, freedom of the press, and the right to peaceful assembly. And they also um, are suggesting that some of the wording around trespass regulations um, have, as they say, quote, deliberately harsh and excessive arrest and penalty provisions, which are themselves unconstitutional, unquote. So it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> it kind of runs the gamut, but basically they're saying um, the, the bill infringes on their investigative reporting of animal welfare issues, and uh, that's not okay. One lawyer you spoke to didn't seem to favor the challenge's chances. Why was that? Well, Mr. Buckingham wouldn't speak specifically to the application in front of the courts currently. He did suggest that basically there's, there's the ability to change tiny portions within the Act that may or may not um, be challenged based on uh, charters of rights and freedoms, but he suggested that that wouldn't really actually knock down the entire act, if anything at all. Um, the, way, the way that the law works is there are some areas of the law that are federal-based and some areas that are provincial-based. And within, within the arguments that they are making, there's called a division of power, which is where the federal government and the provincial government both have... Uh, the ability to create laws and specific legislation um, around certain things. And one of those things happens to be agriculture. So Ontario has almost unlimited power to make laws concerning property under Section 92, subsection 13 of the Constitution. So while they can say that this isn't necessarily constitutional, the, the province can make laws that protect property, and that's basically what Bill 156 is doing. And when, if ever, will this see the inside of a courtroom? Well, that's a $10 million question right there. I mean, obviously there's substantial delays due to COVID, and then you add on top of that that I guess perhaps the court themselves might not see this as a priority considering they have applications as well coming from, um, you know, family law, criminal law, mental health-based law. So the queue is pretty long. Uh, It it could move quickly, but I would suggest that we won't see this come to fruition for um, a year plus. I I would actually hazard a guess we're, we're looking further down the line than that. Diana, thanks for taking the time to join us today. That was Farmterio reporter Diana Martin telling us about a constitutional challenge to Ontario's Bill 156 launched by animal rights groups. 
You're listening to Between the Rows. I'm your host this week, Gord Gilmore. Now, last but far from least, we're joined by Phil Franz Workington of Markets Farm. He's going to explain why the markets are so preoccupied with the weather this year. Phil, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I've seen a lot of weather news lately surrounding the markets. Uh, It's one of those things that's always there, but it seems a bit more prominent this year. Uh, What's been driving that? Yeah, I think you're right that um, yeah, weather is weather is always a uh, market moving influence, and it and it is uh, we're seeing more of it this year maybe than usual, or at least earlier than usual. And uh, part of that is just due to the fact that supplies of a lot of commodities are very tight heading into the growing season this year. So that's making the new crop production prospects all that more important. So. The uh, what we grow is uh, being watched very closely, like in the canola market in uh, particular, which we which we watch a lot here in Canada. The uh, all of the commercial traders they've been trading off of the new crop futures for some time already. They're not even paying attention to the old crop because it just uh, the, the market was going out of whack there. So they are trading off the new crop months and watching weather very closely. Uh, so we had that heat wave uh, with temperatures in the mid to upper 30s, and that we saw prices rise in uh, sympathy with the temperatures, basically. And then we see a bit of rain. We're talking today on on uh, June 9th, and there's been a bit of rain in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta had some earlier in the week, and that rain has been enough to cause prices to to drop. So it's very much swinging on what the weather forecasts are. And do you have any sense uh, of how long it'll be until we see some of these concerns to begin to fade into the background a bit? I think it's going to be a roller coaster through the growing season until crops start coming in the bin later. Um, it, it's just going to be one of those things where the, the the weather is the key and we'll be following it very closely. It's the same situation in the U.S. with their soybeans and corn and uh, wheat as well. The Minneapolis spring wheat is pretty much following the same weather issues as the Canadian crops are. Um, so it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride and there's a lot of money in the market and it's just flowing in and out based off of uh, weather forecast for the most part and the you know the size of some of the uh, speculative fund money in there might exaggerate the moves but it's basically uh, what the weather is showing and how the market reacts to that weather will uh, will be uh, very key to watch going forward until the harvest basically well thanks a lot for that Phil. much appreciated you're welcome That was Phil Franz Workington of Markets Farm. That's another edition of Between the Rows. I'm your host this week, Gord Gilmore, saying we hope you'll join us again next time. And in the meantime, so long and stay safe. Part of being a farmer is being an accountant and a mechanic and a chemist. You have lots on the go. So FarmLink makes your grain marketing go further. 
We help you reach your financial goals with calculated sales decisions. No bias, just solutions and results. Plus, with our new app, GrainFox, we bring every opportunity right to your fingertips. Literally. Start seeing the returns that'll get your family ahead. You've earned it. FarmLink. Your work is worth more. Get started at farmlinksolutions.ca.